Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. Delighted to welcome you. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If you're a regular in the 830 service, usually at this time I will stop and recognize the folks in Perry, Oklahoma and greet Pastor Brian Ahern. Uh, if, if you uh, have never heard who Perry, uh, Oklahoma is or, or what that church is about, let me explain that to you because it has everything to do with what we need to talk about today. Uh, several years ago, we started a partnership with a church planter named Brian Ahern and the church he was planting was in the, the little town of Perry, Oklahoma. If you don't know where Perry, Oklahoma is, what you do is you drive to Toadsuck, Arkansas. Now, history lesson, in ancient times, people assumed that Toadsuck, Arkansas was the edge of the earth and you would fall right off after Toadsuck. But, but actually, it goes on and on. And if you go past Toadsuck, Arkansas, right out into Oklahoma, you drive forever. And eventually, everything is just flatter than a cow pile. As far as you can see, everything is just flat. Your eyes get tired of looking because you never see anything. It just goes out forever. And out there in the middle of all of that is a little town called Perry, Oklahoma. And that is where Pastor Brian and his wife, Tina, felt uh, very, very called to go and plant a church. And that's what they did. They left their lives. They moved everything. And they started a coffee shop in downtown Perry, Oklahoma. The coffee shop was once called Hebrews. Now it's called Bakehouse 611. Uh, it is a really amazing church plant. They meet on Thursday nights. They play videos from Woodburn Baptist Church. And they're growing, and, and, and God is blessing. And it's a privilege to be a partner with that sort of thing going on. What you need to understand, though, is that Church on the Square in Perry is not our only partnership. We actually have four right now, and let's talk about that. The first one, I guess technically our very first partnership in church planting, was here in Warren County with a Hispanic ministry called Nueva Vida. Nueva Vida was a church plant here in Warren County simply to serve uh, the growing number of Hispanics in Warren County. And the, that is an exploding population right now. Nueva Vida is now several years old. We've been a financial partner with them from the very, very beginning. And now that church, which is out on Veterans Memorial, is one of the leading Hispanic congregations in the state of Kentucky and, and a model for Hispanic congregations all around the country. So we should be very, very proud of that. That's two. Nueva Vida. Uh, Church on the Square in Perry, Oklahoma. Then, of course, we started the Franklin Campus several years ago. Franklin Campus is now having two services every Sunday morning and is now known as Franklin Community Church. Uh, Franklin Community Church is on its way toward being a, a, an autonomous, a separate congregation from us. We're about 16 months away from their being sort of totally on their own. At that point, we'll just be uh, sisters alongside each other as churches. But Franklin Community Church and Pastor Eric Walker uh, are, are an amazing, amazing blessing for us and a privilege to be a part of, of what God is doing there. Our newest partnership is in the wild sticks of Edmondson County, uh, up near Nolan Lake. It's a new church start, brand new church start. It still has that new church smell over there. Uh, uh, it's called the Lighthouse at Nolan Lake, and the pastor there is named Chris Matthews. And Chris Matthews has only been launched probably about four or five Sundays now. Uh, but Woodburn Baptist Church is the official sponsor for Lighthouse at Nolan Lake through the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And I'm thrilled 
thrilled, thrilled to see what God is going to do there. It's all a part of what we call the 2020 vision here at Woodburn Baptist Church. The 2020 vision is a way to talk about our purpose, a way to talk about what God is doing with us and through us and for us. And bottom line, we feel that God is leading us to plant or partner with planting 20 churches by the year 2020. 20 churches by the year 2020. Now, when you say 2020, that sounds like a long way off, but those of you who do mathematics quickly in your head, exactly how far off is 2020? Yeah, yeah, it, it hurts when you say it that way. Yeah, just a little over six years. Wow, just a little over six years. It will be the year 2020, and then we will see what God has been able to do through us uh, in, in, in our faithfulness. Frequently, when we talk about the 2020 vision, someone will say, well, Brother Tim, what's the next step? What's the next step in the 2020 vision? And that's exactly what I want us to talk about today, the, the very next step. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, and let's start there. Let's start with what Jesus says. Let's start with the purpose of why we are here. Matthew chapter 28, let's start with verse 18. Very, very familiar passage to anybody who's, uh, who's read the Bible or been around church very long, so... Uh, Listen to what the Lord said. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all, say the word, authority. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay. So why are we here? What, what is our purpose? I can't speak for you, but I know that I, I've grown up in church. I've been in church, unless there was some sort of stomach virus or something like that. I've been in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night of my whole life. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that that truly has, has been my life. And so, honestly, I've been in and out of churches a lot, and some of you tell the same kind of story. Others of you are brand new, but, but, but the purpose of the church is the same, and we need to be clear about it. Now, sometimes those of us who've been around church longer, we're more likely to be confused about this because church to us begins to mean a lot of things. For example, right now, it's, it's No Shave November. We're having a lot of fun with that. There are some awesome beards in this house. I just have to say that. Warren Weeks is amazing. He is the grizzliest uh, church administrator on the planet now. I understand that Warren does this for Margie. Y'all know this? Warren doesn't like a beard. Margie likes a beard. Yeah, so this is all about the woman. That's awesome, Warren. That is how you keep a marriage alive. Now, because of the prayers of this church, my wife is warming up to my beard, actually. Uh, slowly, but, but now she's got to where she'll just come up and rub her face in it. She just loves... <laughs> I say, honey, I'm trying to read the Bible. Stop. Get, get out of my beard. <laughs> no, no. But still. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Y'all just keep praying for it. Just keep praying for it. <laughs> the, the most amazing beard ever at Woodburn Baptist Church was, was a number of years ago. I was in the old building, and I was coming up the stairs, and I ran into Henry Smalling. Do y'all know Henry? He used to be the... Uh, vice principal at, at Warren Central, so he, he, you, you've probably been in his office or, or, or been paddled by him like the rest of us. Uh, Henry's awesome. But anyway, Henry has, you know, flaming red hair. 
Mr. Swelling always has red hair. Uh, but this one Sunday, he was teaching Sunday school, and I think the lesson was on Moses. And so Mr. Smalling came into church that day, and, and I saw him, and he had a beard. And he didn't ordinarily have a beard. He had like a beard down to here, but it looked weird from the start. Okay, let me explain it to you. That day, Henry had a beard, but it was kind of purplish blue-gray. And it was in just one rectangular kind of sheet. And I knew right away what that was. That was, that was lint from the dryer. Henry took the lint from the dryer, like, you know how you can take it out in a perfect square? He took it out, uh, just peeled it out, and then he tore a little bitty hole for his mouth, and he, he attached it to his face so he could be Moses. It was dryer lint, people. It was dryer lint on his face. So I said, whoa, Henry, you got a beard. And he said, yeah, and Brother Tim, you'll never guess what it's made of. <laughs> no, well, you could actually guess. But I said, Henry, what is it? You know, just to give him a thrill, he said, I got it out of the dryer. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're around church very long, there are stories like that that we could tell. And, and it, it, it sometimes becomes about the people. It sometimes becomes uh, about the, the fellowship we call it, or the friendships that we have at church. We can start telling stories about how others have been there when we needed them and how we've taken care of each other, and that's good. And I hope we always have stories to tell about that. But we need to be very, very clear about the real purpose of the church. The, the fellowship, the way we can care for one another, Sunday school, choir, potlucks, all of those things are good. And I thank God for the way my life is richer because of Woodburn Baptist Church. But, but we need to be perfectly clear about what our purpose is. The purpose of this church and every other church is a, is a great purpose. It's a very large purpose. And you need to be clear on that because if you become involved in the church for a small reason, if you think that church is all about little things, then I need to tell you one of these days you'll become very, very frustrated over little things. And if you're in church because of something small, then let me tell you, one of these days you'll probably end up leaving or dropping out over something small. Because the small things tend to be disappointing over time. And the small things tend to be frustrating. And we don't always get the small things right, to, to be honest. So let's just be clear. If you're here for small things, sooner or later you'll probably get mad and leave over something small. So we need to be very, very clear about the big thing, about the big thing, because when we have the purpose in place, I feel like everything else tends to fall in place, including the small things. But we have to get the big thing there first. So the big purpose, the, the great commission, it's called in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and be sure of this, I am with you always. It's called the Great Commission. With these words, Jesus turned that group of disciples into the church, and that purpose defines the church. And I guess the only way to talk about this purpose is to call it something like global disciple-making. I mean, it's a global purpose. All nations go into all the world and make disciples. It's global disciple-making. It is the largest 
purpose possible, but it is our purpose. Now, there are lots of small things you love about church, but you need to learn to be very, very aware, very, very dedicated to the larger purpose, the, the Great Commission. Even those words, Great Commission, that's kind of intimidating to, to me. Because for one thing, I'm from Woodburn, Kentucky, and, and I am nobody special, and I'm not being fake or humble about that. I'm just not. I mean, we're just not. And so this is kind of the way my brain works when I think about the Great Commission. I, I think, okay, the, the commission is great. It's global. The commission is great. I am not great. Therefore, there must not be a lot that I can do. You understand my logic? I'm just being honest. That's how my brain works. The commission is great. I am not great. Therefore, there must not be a lot for me to do. The same kind of thinking can infect our church as well. The commission is great, but, but our church is not great. Our church is not. I mean, we're, you know you're in Woodburn, Kentucky, right? I'm not dogging Woodburn. If you really want shock and awe, come out to the Woodburn Christmas Parade here in, in, in a few days. Understand? We're in Woodburn. The commission is great. Our church is not great. Therefore, there just must not be a lot that we can do. Now, you can't argue with my logic. What I've just said is logically sound. It's a great commission. I'm not great. We're not great. There must not be much we can do. But, but it's spiritually flawed. Understand? Logically sound, spiritually flawed. Because of one important factor. Notice that the great commission, therefore go and make disciples, it's sandwiched between two things. Jesus is talking. And in between, before he says and then after he says the Great Commission, he says other things. Pay attention to that. First off, verse 18, Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore you go. Interesting. Jesus doesn't say anything about the disciples. He doesn't say anything about them. Listen, you... You guys are, are great, and you guys are on fire, and, and you guys are going to be able to preach. It's going to be all about you guys, therefore go. No, he doesn't say anything about them because guess what? There's not anything you can say about them that matters. This commission is about Jesus. And Jesus says, I, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore you go. Understand? So it starts out with his authority, and then after the commission, he says, and be sure of this, be sure of this, I will be with you. Understand? Be sure of this, I will be with you. So, so you get the great commission, but before and after you get these incredible proclamations and these incredible promises from Jesus himself. So the Great Commission really doesn't have a whole lot to do with me and you, to be honest. doesn't have a whole lot to do with what you can claim about us and our greatness, or us and our boldness, or, or us and our resources. None of these things matter. What matters is Jesus' authority and Jesus' presence. Jesus' authority and Jesus' presence. The children reminded us today that when Jesus says, I have all authority, that just simply means what? He's in charge. He's in charge. Heaven and on earth, he has authority, which means he can command. He can command everything. He's in charge. So if Jesus wants this to happen, it's going to happen. He commands everything. 
So Jesus says, all authority is given unto me, therefore you go and be sure of this, I'll be with you always. So you have Jesus' authority to command, and you have the promise of his presence, which means he's always going to be there to see it happen. Always going to be there to provide for everything to make it happen. So the Great Commission is about Jesus. It's about his authority. It's about his presence with us. So, so understand this. If Jesus wants it to happen and he's with us to make it happen, it's going to happen. The Great Commission is, is not a big wish. It's not just a, a, a big, hairy, audacious goal. It is the hope of the world. It is the future of the world. Jesus is gathering for himself a great, great tribe from every nation, every tongue, a great, great body that is made up of believers and those obedient to him. He's going to get exactly what he wants because all authority is his. Did you understand? Did you understand? It's, 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 it's the Great Commission. He wants it done. He's going to see that it gets done. So this is what defines Woodburn Baptist Church. This is what defines us. This is our purpose. It is the largest purpose ever. Don't ever forget that. This is what matters. Now, the little things that you and I care so much about, they don't matter so much. Nothing that is not eternal matters very much. But this is eternal. We're talking about the souls of every man, woman, boy, and girl alive on this planet. This is what matters, and this is what we are about. Global disciple-making. Now, at Woodburn Baptist Church, we talk about fulfilling the Great Commission in terms of planting churches. And that may be the part that, for some of you, you don't understand how those dots connect. So if it's a Great Commission, why are we focusing on planting churches? Why plant churches? Well, just think with me, and honestly. Planting churches is simply the oldest thing in the book. This isn't a new strategy. We're not inventing anything. This is exactly the pattern that you see in the book of Acts. This is what happens. Because new churches are simply the outcome of evangelism. When you have new people coming to Christ, those new people form new churches. That's just what happens. It's, it's the outcome of evangelism. So let's be really, really honest. Woodburn Baptist Church is never going to do very much to plant churches until we get a little more serious about evangelism. It's about evangelism. Now, some people do enjoy planting churches. They'll go just plant a church and then invite Christians to come. You know, they'll just plant a church for people who are bored in the church where they already are. And you just sort of hope they'll come and, and enjoy something new. But I'm not interested in that, and, and I pray you're not either. I want to plant a new church for Christians who are already disgruntled and unhappy where they are. Let's don't attract those people, you understand? Let them stay where they are unhappy. Let's plant new churches for new believers. It's an outcome of evangelism. Church planting is simply about evangelism, always about evangelism. But notice the shape of the commission. Therefore, go and make, say the word, disciples. Make disciples. Honestly, most of us miss what Jesus is saying here. He does not say make converts. doesn't say make converts. There's a difference between a convert and a disciple, if you get real technical. Now, a convert is more or less somebody who's made a decision. 
A convert is a person who's made a, a commitment, but you don't know anything about how that commitment's going to play out. A, a convert is just a convert. A convert may be a person who walked an aisle once and shook a preacher's hand. A convert may be somebody who signed their name on a card or repeated a prayer after somebody. A convert could be somebody who went to camp and, and got saved when all of her friends got saved. And, and I'm telling you, there's a big difference between what you might call a convert and what you would call a disciple. And Jesus makes that distinction. He doesn't say go out and make converts. He doesn't just say go win people to, to Jesus. He doesn't say that. Just baptize them and then count them. No, it's a process here that Jesus is talking about. We have to make disciples. A, a disciple simply is a learner. It's a student. It's a follower. But we're talking about engaging someone in a lifelong and life radically life-altering transformation because these disciples are not just going to make a decision and then never ever do anything else these disciples are going to progress to the point where eventually they are obedient in their lives obedient to everything that Jesus himself commands you see that so the fact that we're called to make disciples means we're not just out there trying to get people to say yes to Jesus and then we move on when you do true evangelism, you're making disciples. That means you invest yourself in, in a process which helps them mature in Christ, become mature, obedient believers. And honestly, that requires the body of Christ. I mean, read the New Testament. We don't become mature believers. We don't learn obedience to Christ outside the, the boundaries, the, the fellowship, the accountability, the power that comes in the body of Christ. So it is the church by which Jesus intends to see the Great Commission fulfilled. And by planting churches, you create a context where, where converts can become disciples. Does that make sense? So you have to plant churches. You have to multiply churches so that disciples can multiply. Disciples develop and grow in the context of the body of Christ. So we plant churches because we're not just making converts, we're making disciples. Make sense? Ah, Brother Tim, but shoot. You know how many churches there are? This morning I got up in Bowling Green and I drove out of Bowling Green and came out to Woodburn and I probably passed 200 churches. Probably not 200, but it may have felt like it. Yeah. How many do you pass between, between 31W and Woodburn Church? Three, if you look out, four. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And you only went this far. And it makes you think, why, why do we need more churches? Well, why does the world need more churches? Because it seems like there are a lot of churches. And, and I will agree with you there. But let, let, let's think about what, what is actually true. In the United States this year, something like 4,000 churches will close their doors for good. Okay? In the United States, in this coming year, and this is a conservative estimate, something like 4,000 churches will die and close and never open their doors again. Congregations die. And something like 4,000 will die this year, okay? Keep that figure in your mind because let me tell you that in the coming year in the United States, most likely there will be about 1,000 new churches planted. Okay, about 1,000. So again, those of you who do mathematics well in your head, that doesn't look very good. That is a losing proposition. 
Churches are dying faster than new churches are started. That says something very, very devastating about the state of the church in the United States. Would you agree with me on that? That means if something doesn't turn around, and something doesn't turn around in a big way and quickly, our nation is really sliding, sliding in a very, very horrible slope away from Christ and away from the gospel and in a direction that none of us should want to see. So you can't possibly say there are too many churches. Churches are disappearing by the day. And almost nobody wants to see that new churches are are, are planted to take their place. Now, the other thing we all just have to say, because it's the truest thing in the world to say, is not every church out there is actually doing anything. I'm not being critical. God bless them. I can't judge. I don't know. I'm not there. But it's actually very clear that that most churches aren't making much of an impact in the community. And that's devastating, too. Because all of us together have a very, very large purpose to actually go out and make an impact in the whole world. But we're not even making a dent in our community. So it's not just that there are a whole lot of churches. Why do we need more? Honestly, we need some churches who are going to go out there and and go after it like they're killing snakes. We need some churches that will be on fire and will actually be concerned to go out and spread the gospel. Do you understand it? It's not just a country club for Christians. We need some high-impact churches. Now, here's the thing. New churches tend to attract new people. And, And that's the best part. New converts typically like a new church. I don't know exactly how to explain that, except that actually a church can be hard to join if you're brand new. If you're a brand new believer, sometimes a church like Woodbury can be very intimidating. Some of you can, you've got the Bible memorized forwards and backwards. You seem to know it all, and you seem to be very, very good at this, and it can be intimidating to a new believer. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get out and meet some new believers, New believers often are attracted to new congregations, to to new churches, and new churches grow. Whitburn Baptist Church grows. We're growing, but we're not growing like Franklin Community Church is growing. You you notice that? All all 600 of us can manage maybe to baptize 15, 20 in a year, but Franklin Campus, they baptize on Wednesday nights. I didn't know you could baptize on a Wednesday night. They're growing. They're exploding, and new churches will do that. New churches will have momentum and fire that's very difficult to maintain 150 years later. God help us. That's why we plant new churches. New churches reach new people. Nueva Vida in Bowling Green is there because there really wasn't another place for the incredible population of Hondurans. And the incredible population of Nicaraguans. And the incredible population of those from El Salvador in Warren County. Where were they going to go? Nueva Vida was a brand new congregation. And it's grown because of this population that really wasn't even in Bowling Green 20 years ago. New churches reach new people. And different kinds of churches will reach different kinds of people. We just need a lot of new churches. We need them in Warren County. Don't ever think we don't. Churches die every single day, but churches don't get planted every single day. That's why I think that's our purpose. That's our purpose. It's evangelism. It's the Great Commission, but but we focus on planting the churches because if you establish a church, then you've guaranteed that the disciples get made and that the gospel gets advanced. Because here's the thing. I want to plant churches that plant churches. 
I'm praying about the church that Franklin Community Church is going to plant. I'm praying about the church that Church on the Square in Perry, Oklahoma is going to plant next. I'm praying about the church that Nueva Vida is going to plant next. You understand? You plant churches that plant churches. And if you read through the book of Acts, that's exactly how the gospel spreads. Because when believers multiply, churches must multiply. All healthy living things grow. All healthy living things grow. If you've ever become a parent, you know what it is to, to take that little bundle home from the hospital. And, uh, and you have in your head that, that, that she's going to grow, that he's going to grow, but you just, you can't possibly, until you've actually watched that up close, you can't imagine how that happens and how quickly it happens. As soon as the little booger can stand up, you probably put him up against the wall, you know, and you start making a mark. If, if you go over to the parsonage in one of those closets, you can still barely see the marks that we made on the closet door as Wade was growing up and we lived in that house. This is funny because there's a mark and a mark and a mark because we enjoyed sort of marking the way he grew day by day. We could see that. We could see that day by day growth, but inevitably there's a point where as parents you sit down and say, I wonder how big this little turkey's going to get. How big is he going to get? You know, is he going to be tall like, like my dad or tall like, like Casey's mom? And she's got some real height on her side. Or, or you know, how, how big will he get? And is he going to be bald? We keep asking that question because Casey's whole family's bald. I mean, all the women are bald. It's just bald. It's, you know, is he going to be bald? Is he going to be tall? And that's the thing. You can sort of measure day by day, week by week growth. But it's very hard to, to look into the future and say, What's it going to look like? What's it going to look like in the future? And, and this is what the 2020 vision does for Woodburn. It, it, it's a glimpse, and I feel like it's something God has shown us. It's a picture of what our church is going to look like down the road, not, not even so far down the road anymore. About six years down the road, it's going to look something like this, something like the 2020 vision. Uh, this is the diagram that, that I've created to sort of show you what's inside my head. It, it's scary, I know. Kind of like a plate of spaghetti, uh, something like that. But, but I want you to spend some time and look at this. They're all over the house today. Just pick one up and find it and study it. It's, it's not a vision in the sense that it's just a goal. It's not that at all. If, if healthy living things grow, then, then what the 2020 vision represents is, is a picture of what Woodburn will be if all of God's purposes for us are fulfilled over the next six years. It, it'll look like this. This is just what it's going to look like. This is what will happen. But it's not just for our church. This means that, that every single one of us has to have God's purposes fulfilled in us because we are Woodburn Baptist Church. We are this place. Jesus certainly can do it without us, but he's given us a part of this to play. And there are things that won't get done, I'm afraid, if we don't do them. I really think our church has a commission and a place, and we have an incredible responsibility to be faithful as individuals. So the 2020 vision is truly simply the outcome of our faithfulness. It's what will happen if every single one of us begin to let God command us, and we begin to have his purposes fulfilled in us, this is what will happen. Churches will get planted, something like 20 by the time we get to 2020. Make sense? Not just a goal. It's a vision. It's a picture. 
of what God wants to do through us if we'll let him do it through us. So, are you in? Here's what we need. You've just come out of some very important studies. We came through Causone together. Some of you at that time were looking at your spiritual gifts and, and, and thinking about the big vision for your life. We came through Charismata together where we literally talked a lot about spiritual gifts and how God wants to use you and me together. We talked about these things now. We just come through catching fire. So what are you going to do? Let me start here. We need people who will begin to fast and pray as a way of life. We need people who will begin to fast and pray as a way of life. And I don't, I don't mean like a hunger strike and you're never going to eat again until we plant 2020 churches, please, no. I just mean that it's no longer just something that you think about doing or maybe you think you should start doing. I'm talking about people who begin regularly to fast on their own, maybe together, and pray. Look, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Look, look back at what Jesus says. Matthew 9, 37. Once more, when he's talking about the, the mission and, and the purpose of the disciples, he says this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. You noticed? The workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Okay. We need some people who will take those verses and make that the purpose of your life. Some of you came to me after uh, Causone and said, you know, Pastor Tim, I did one of those gift inventories. And, and you know, I really believe that, that prayer is one of my gifts. Okay, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You're here for a purpose, and your praying is important for the future of our church. Now, we all need to pray, and we all need to fast and pray. But some of you hear this differently. You know that I'm talking straight into your heart, and you know that this is something that you will contribute in a very important way. And I'm saying now's the time to step up and start this. You need to start praying for our church. You need to start praying for, for God to send workers into the field. You've just got to start surrounding this church and its mission and its purpose and prayers. We need men and women, boys and girls, who will fast and pray as a way of life. There is nothing more important, nothing more important than praying. And to build the foundation of prayer that, that everything else will stand upon. You understand, we need men and women who will fast and pray as a way of life. Number two, we need a lot of us, I mean a lot of us, to become the kind of people who will share the gospel anytime, any place with anybody. Are you listening to me? I'm afraid you're not. Nobody's making eye contact with me anymore. We need people who will become the people who will share the gospel of Jesus anytime, any place with anybody. We don't have a lot of those people right now, let's be honest. If we did, more people would be getting saved in our church. We don't have a lot of those people yet, but we need them. And some of you are going to be those people. We have to get really serious about sharing the gospel. Nobody else is going to do it. You're the one, you understand? You're the one at your school. You're the one in your family. You're the one in this community. You're the one. We're it. We need to share the gospel. If church planting is an outcome of evangelism, then guess what? We're not getting a whole lot done until we begin sharing the gospel. 
We need people bold and passionate and ready to talk about Jesus. We need people who are willing to talk any place with anybody at any time. Nothing else can happen until we're ready to do that. And if we're not willing to do that, then we're never going to be any good for the kingdom at all. Do you see that? Because that's our big purpose. If you want to shrink it down and let this church be about little things, then, then, then God help all of us because that's not why we're here. We're here to share the gospel. Acts chapter 4, verse 20, look what the disciples say there as the church begins to spread. Acts 4, 20. Peter and John are before the authorities. The authorities are arresting them, trying to force them to stop preaching. Or they say, we cannot stop. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. They're talking to the government here who's threatening to, to throw them in jail. And they say, we're sorry, sorry, sir. We can't stop. We can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard of Christ. You know the problem in our church and most churches is we can't seem to start. Peter and John couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And, and we can't get started. We need to start and then never stop. You understand? we got to get started. We cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. So we need people who fast and pray. We need people who will share the gospel anytime, any place with anybody. And then we need church planters. And we need pastors. And we need missionaries. And, and, and God's going to raise them up out of this congregation. Probably on your pew. Do you understand? If God's given this kind of vision, this kind of picture of our church, and understand what's going to happen in the next six years, I think it's pretty exciting, and it won't stop in 2020. This is what we're all about. So, so that means church planters and pastors and missionaries are going to keep rising up and being sent out from Woodburn Baptist Church, and I love that. I just love that. It's amazing. Think, well, okay, well then, Brother Tim, I, I, guess, I guess I'm done, because I'll never be a church planter, a pastor, or a missionary. Okay, okay. You probably won't. You probably won't. But we still have to be the church that can raise them up. You understand? And not every church seems able to do that. We've got to be the church that can. So you've got to understand that vision. And you've got to understand that, okay, maybe you won't be a church planter, but maybe you're going to go into the nursery and change the diapers of future church planters. that awesome? Now, you won't be able to tell them by the diaper right away. I'll tell you that much. But you've got to have that kind of vision. When you're teaching Sunday school or have an opportunity to work with our teenagers, you have to approach them as if God is going to raise up from among our children, from among this next generation. God is going to raise up mighty women and men who are going to go out and serve him. And that's exciting. That means every time you start Sunday school, every time we begin to pray and minister to one another, we're trying to nurture people who are going to be mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that. So if you're not going to be the church planter, and you know God's not calling you to do that, and you're never going to be a pastor or a missionary, still, we're going to send them out from our church, and you and I are going to be the ones who teach them and, and encourage them and put a big vision over their lives and teach them how to dream dreams and go out into the world to love it and see that they hear the message of salvation. You understand? So it's not just that some of us will get called and the rest of us stay home. We're all called. We all have a different purpose. But God's going to have a tremendous sending capacity for this church. Get really, really serious about the little ones you minister to, about the ones you teach, about the way we encourage each other. Okay, 
Now, I gave some of you a break there because I started talking about young people, and you think, whoo, good, okay, it's young people. No. See, the problem is we've all known each other a long time, and y'all done done way too much talking to me through the years. So I know. I remember when you said, sir, that a long time ago you felt like Jesus called you to be a pastor. You said it, didn't you? And it's not just one or two of you. It's a lot of our men. A lot of our men live with this incredible feeling that somewhere along the way they, they stepped off the path and went a different direction. And you just need to know that that calling that God placed upon your life years ago, it never expired or got canceled. It's not too late. As a matter of fact, it might be just about time. You need to step up. You need to surrender to that calling. Ladies in this church who say years ago that they, they felt called to missions but never could figure out how to get out of Woodburn, you know, because it was hard years ago. It's easier now. Every car in the world's going out of Woodburn. You, know, you understand? It's not so hard anymore, and maybe it's not too late for you to figure out what God has for you. We need church planters and, and pastors and missionaries and people who will go into all the world and share the gospel. It's not as hard as it used to be once you say yes. But saying yes is hard. It's just time to say yes. It's time to step up. It's time for you to serve the Lord in a big way. We need you. And, and here's the thing. Does it always come down to this? Um, we need people who give money. Yeah, money. Ah, preacher, I knew he'd talk about money. Y'all know me. I don't talk about money. I'm just telling you the truth. It takes money. How many people who, who have the resources or the generosity to be able to give? I'm not just talking about rich people. Rich people can be some of the stingiest people in the world. I guess that's why they're rich. But it's not about being rich. It's about being generous. And we need God to raise up generous people because there's no place that needs more resources than a fledgling church. Started out with nothing, and, and they need somebody that will pour in and support them. And we need to be that church. We have to be that church, and that's going to take funds. And just saying God's going to have some of us here because that's what we can do. We can give. We can send. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 15. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says this. How will anyone go and tell them unless somebody sends them? In other words, some of us go and some of us send. And sending is a very important ministry too. You can't drop the rope on your end, you understand? And often sending has a whole lot to do with surrounding people in prayer and encouragement and not forgetting them once to go, but also be willing to support financially. We need some givers who will just begin to give to see the gospel of Christ advance around the world. And I don't know anything truer to tell you. Some of us are just going to give. Hopefully a lot of us. 2020 vision. You keep asking me, Brother Tim, what's the next step? What's the next step in the 2020 vision? And this is what I'm telling you today. The next step in the 2020 vision is the step that you are going to take. You listening to me? It's the step that you are going to take. Take it. Take it. 
God, nearly 150 years ago, people of courage and generosity planted a church in Woodburn, Kentucky. They planted a church. Somebody donated land. Somebody donated lumber. And a handful of people came with vision and courage and boldness, and they established Woodburn Baptist Church. And here we are. God, we need to do what others have done before us. We need to have the kind of vision that our great-great-grandparents had. Lord, let us not be simply satisfied that a church has been built here, Lord. We pray that you would build your kingdom here. And we pray, Lord, that because this is your kingdom, you will rule and you will command us and we will follow you wherever you lead us. Lord, I pray for prayer warriors to come out of this church, Lord, for people who will want nothing more than simply to be in your presence, begging you for the future of this church and for the advance of the gospel, praying for workers. Lord, I pray that you would put the names and faces of lost people before us all the time so that we get to the place where we cannot stop talking about what you have done for us and that we can't sleep as long as we know that others are perishing without you. Lord, make us willing and able to share the gospel with anybody at any place at any time. And Lord, those of us, young and old together, that you're calling to be pastors and church planters and missionaries, God, give us courage and help us to understand how to connect the dots from where we are to where you want us to be. Lord, we will go. We just don't even know how to find the first step. Lord, mark out the path for us, Lord, and give us courage to take that step. And God, I pray that you'll just... Help us to learn how to turn loose of our resources and be willing to share for the sake of the gospel. Lord, our lives tend to be small and we tend to focus on small things. So Lord, I pray that you would expand our vision, that you would be our vision so that we're not just concerned about ourselves or our families or or even this little church, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would just learn to think in terms of a kingdom that encompasses the whole world. Lord Jesus, if you will send us, we'll take it to the world. Only God, let us know for sure that it is you who sends us, calls us, empowers us, and provides for us. For wherever you send us, we will go. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus.